Take It From Us is taking a well-deserved break at the moment, so today's episode is a repeat program. Yes, we're on air. We uh, don't have an on-air light uh, coming on today, which is a bit uh, deceiving uh, for Mental Health Radio. Take it from us. Uh, that's what you're listening to right now, and uh, nothing like uh, a start with Joe Cocker, uh, his uh, track called Respect Yourself. Uh, I'm host Sheldon Brown with technician Declan Curran, uh, and Mental Health Radio is brought to you and funded by Ember Wellbeing Trust. Here's what was said by today's guest in an email to Planet FM uh, recently. My name is Tess Sheeran. I suffered from a breakdown in 2018 and last week I got the courage to post a blog on my social media. I was overwhelmed by the heartfelt messages from people, some of which I had never met, that told me that what I wrote about really struck a chord and thanked me for sharing my story. In her blog, Tess talks about her, quote, neurons being on red alert. Let's talk to Tess about how that feels, how it feels to have your neurons being on red alert. So welcome, Tess, to Mental Health Radio. Uh, Take it from us. Uh, You're on the phone to us uh, from somewhere in the South Island. Yeah, that's all right. Hi, Sheldon. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm in Christchurch. You're in Christchurch. Not, yeah. uh, I, I got the, the impression that you were um, on a farm somewhere in a rural setting, but uh, where did I get that from? Yeah, yeah, that'd be right. Um, yes, so I'm currently looking after my parents' farm while they're in Canada. So that's kind of, out pre- I don't know if you know Christchurch. Oh, yes, no, you do. Yeah, um, yeah Prebleton kind of way. Oh, okay. Not too yeah. far out of town. No, well, moved out that way. It used to be. <laughs> well, you mean the town's moved out that, uh, yeah, that way? Yeah, it's the quakes, isn't it? It's really growing. Yeah, so that's the sort of um, the western side of Christchurch that's grown so dramatically. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Not uh, not to your liking or? Um, no, I really don't like Yeah, no, I don't like it at all, really. Right. <laughs> I love the nature. I'd, I'd rather it be a bit quieter, definitely. So when you're on the farm, you feel... Uh, Closer to nature? Oh, I love it, yeah. It's a walnut blueberry farm, so it's very tree as you can imagine. <laughs> Trees everywhere. Wow, wal- walnuts and uh, and blueberries. Yes, very good for mental health. Mm. Ah, I bet. <laughs> and, and do you invite people to pick the, the blueberries like they seem to do on many blueberry farms? Um, this place, they just do it to order. You can ring up and um, just order a couple of kg. Right. I don't think Dad wants people... Walking around, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. 
Oh, well, that's, uh, I mean, is uh, being there and, and uh, being with your parents, is that uh, part of uh, what you wrote to Planet FM about, uh, your breakdown in 2018? Um, yeah, it's been fantastic having their support, 100%. I could, I, yeah, I don't think I would have got better if I didn't have the time and space to understand what was going on sort of um, with me. Right. Yeah, so it's been fantastic having having them. So you, you've had great support from uh, your parents and the fact that they live uh, in a natural sort of environment. How's that helped you? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, the farms, I, I think it's just because uh, I've always, I've grown up here, we've had it in the family for 35 years. It's a, a you know, it's very um, kind of, he- it's a healing place. I've, I've lived everywhere, all in different places, um, around New Zealand and... So, yeah, the UK or different places around the globe, really. And, um, yeah, I've always come back here to heal, though. So, um, yeah, it's a special place for sure. Yeah, well, it's lovely to have that special place. I uh, grew up on Scarborough Hill and Sumner, and uh, oh, yeah, nice. That was a very special place. Yeah, and, I think uh, you're moving there next. Yep. Oh, are you? Yeah, yep, yep. Right. Get in the surf. <laughs> yeah, well, I did a lot of surfing on that beach and oh, all around uh, New Zealand as well. So cool. uh, I have, you know, that has a special place in my heart. But uh, my father, who was getting on, had to sell, and uh, that was a very sad day. Yeah. Yeah. So you you have a plan to maybe move to Sumner? Yeah, that's where I'm going to go. Um, yeah, they're actually selling this place. <laughs> so um, yeah, well, it's time for me to. Um, to go somewhere anyway, but um, yeah, it's it's where I think I'll will be best suited to me at this phase. <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, great to be. I feel it really healing being in the water. Yeah, and yeah. learning something like surfing is great. Yeah, so you'll be doing some surfing there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go, I'll try to go at least three, four times a week. I'm sure. Oh, brilliant! Well, yeah. and nothing like a benefit to your mental health uh, from surfing. Yeah. <laughs> I could talk about that for the whole program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It is amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's great, yeah. <laughs> uh, in our introduction, uh, we talked about you, your experience of uh, feeling as though you had your neurons on red alert. Um, what happened uh, when you felt that way? Yeah, um, I, re- I definitely realised that my neurons were on red alert um, and it was pretty much after I dragged myself to a spin and a yoga class and usually I get a, the endorphins and kick in and I get a shift in mood and I, yeah, so after two hours of exercise that day I felt like absolutely nothing so I knew I was, I was in trouble. So just to clarify there, you did two hours of exercise, so spin class and yoga. Yeah, and yeah like the, really, really intense exercise with the spin class and then yoga, which is obviously the, for the body and the mind. And I just, there was no positive shift in mood at all. It was just flat and, and yeah, I was like, this is just, I already knew I was really depressed, but I just, that was like when I was like, okay, I'm really, really in, in trouble. So what what did you do when you had that realization? Um, I can't remember. I think I just like knew I wasn't, you know, um, and I still just carried on in the way I'd always been. Um, brought up, we used stoicism, um, kind of to 
you know, keep moving forward and just work through the problems and um, and I still was doing that and, and it wasn't until I physically couldn't look after myself and I think that was actually about four months later um, and I had moved away and I was, had started this other project idea and um, and then no, I had to pull the plug on it and I came back home and I went um, into therapy and yeah, I, I, I just yeah, that's, that was my first step, was actually um, telling my parents, because I took an enormous amount of energy to pretend that everything was sweet for such a long time. So I didn't want to hassle um, other people with my problems. I just thought it'd be, it would work out, because that's um, you know, what I've been brought up to do. So you had a sort of a goal to try and do it all on your own without uh, revealing that you were a bit vulnerable? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we, I think we're really brought up in this culture that we're not li- really allowed to have um, emotions that are visible, aren't we? So, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm a highly sensitive person or empath and it just was a complete nightmare. <laughs> All these emotions are leaking out of me like you wouldn't believe in, in uh, weird situations, yeah. Uh, so I ended up having a bit of an abusive relationship with myself, I guess you could call it, call it yeah. How much uh, do you put uh, on sensitivity as being, you know, uh, associated with mental health uh, vulnerability? Well, I think it's very hard for people that are sensitive because, you know, you're basically like an emotional sponge and it's not just from other people's um, sort of energies, if you like, or, or whatever they give off, but more um, also whatever's around you, like the noise, the lights, just, it's all very intense and from an early age I was always, as soon as I learned to drive I'd come back and I'd, I just need like half an hour or um, something, just time out and then I'd be able to do the second part of school, Right. (laughs) you know, but you know, that's not really how things are designed I guess here in New Zealand, maybe in Spain you can go and have your siesta (laughs) And, you know, it works there, I don't know, but, yeah, I certainly think the sensitivity thing isn't um, kind of taken into account um, because, yeah, it's hard. Like, we're not all robots, and that's what I I wrote about Johan Hari's brilliant book, Lost Connections. Yes. um, Yeah, we're just, yeah, we're not allowed to show the humane (laughs) side side of us almost. The the, The caring and compassionate side. Yeah, which is just ridiculous, isn't it? It is ridiculous. But, I mean, I'm assuming that you're in the sort of younger age group where, I guess, uh, there's more talk about mental health, there's more awareness. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, You've indicated that you've lived around the world and travelled quite extensively. Mm -hmm. How was your mental health uh, when you were travelling? So I've had uh, varying kind of levels of depression since I've been about 12, but my best friend would probably call it more like manic depression, uh, more extreme highs and then extreme lows. Um, So just depending on um, what's been happening on you know with my life um on the outside um yeah i've i've had 
yeah, always up, down, up, down, and then well again, and then not, you know, so quite erratic, really, with my mental health. Yeah. Uh, how did you manage that? I mean, uh, were you required to take medication? I did end up taking medication for, I think it was three years altogether, and I think it helped for seven months. And um, then I just would have kept having to up the dose and the side effects for me just weren't worth it. I was really, like, um, erratic and um, just, um, yeah, just just wasn't worth it. So I kind of believe it's big pharmaceutical pushing it just to make money. So just in my case, though, like, um, everyone's case is, is different, right? And everyone's experience in life is different and there's a lot we don't know about the brain, isn't there? So... And I found out that was like the least studied organ, which is kind of... Right. <laughs> uh, were, were you under any pressure, though, from those people prescribing the medication to stay on it? No, I would never say I had any pressure, but I did get pressure from other people, like my parents, um, after I'd gone off it and um, I was still experiencing um, some problems sometimes. Um, but... Not with doctors. I mean, they'd give me all the information, uh, but I just thought this is just, it's just not working. And that book kind of talks about that a lot too. It helps a slight amount, but it doesn't get to the root of, of what's going on, like where the problem first started or, um, so yeah, so medication for me personally um, I, isn't going to be the solution. <laughs> right. Yep. So w- what do you think was going on that? resulted in this breakdown in 2018. Okay, so there were a combination of reasons. So I kind of mentioned that at the time I was had an opportunity to work with Ken and I made the mistake of um, coming up with this big brief and I hadn't even recovered from my last project, which had taken a, a pretty massive toll. Um, and yeah, I'd always just been taught to use stoicism to get through problems and yeah, it was taking a lot of energy out of me to pretend I was all good. And, um, yeah, so I developed a bit of an abusive relationship with myself. Um, and then, yeah, I had... So I just mentioned, deny about the blog post that I sent in. So for me, the three causes in the book that I um, could connect with were the loss of meaningful values. So um, during the Pollution Awareness Mural Art Tour I was doing in New Zealand... Um, I pretty much spent a lot of time filling out paperwork and applying for funding and just hours and hours on the computer. And I was just following the extrinsic tasks, which, um, yeah, I just wasn't good at. And, um, yeah, so the loss of meaningful values. In Western culture, we're brainwashed by advertising from birth to buy this and have that to be successful and happy. And as a result, are following, you know, things that we're, we're naturally not so good at sometimes. We, we Tess, well, just to interrupt, we may, may need a little bit of background here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You've referred to a um, creative project that you yeah. were trying to get off the ground, which you just happened to mention sort of, in passing, this this was a project, was it, that you were working to uh, get off the ground and as some sort of national roadshow or something like that? Am I correct? Uh, so, 
I had just completed, so I'd actually done this project and this was a, uh, one of the problems I was facing during that time frame. It took about three years. So I did a pollution awareness mural tour around New Zealand and that was called New Zealand's Worth Loving. And the tour was aimed to highlight issues of water pollution and the damaging effect it has on our wildlife. Yeah. Um, and we did, uh, uh, teamed up with charities and um, celebrated the completion of each mural with a clean-up event. Right. Yeah. Um, but the, the, I've been facing these problems and filling out all this paperwork and, um, yeah, that was... I was, it was just a lot of that and it was just not natural to me at all and it, it just added to one of, the, one of the contributing factors for me getting a lot sicker. So you, you had some, sort of some bureaucratic requirements that uh, you had to fill out to meet uh, funding requirements or something like that? Um, yeah, well, uh, the pro- well, it kind of fitted in. Like I'd already done it before I'd even had the idea to go and do these murals. I'd already um, done a project so it just happened that they did fit into the requirements naturally anyway. I didn't have to design a brief um, to fit those requirements. But it was just that I'm not, I'm not that good at writing. It's not a natural skill at me. I'm, I'm okay at it, but it just was just took me a lot longer and <laughs> right. had, had help or something to do that bit. And, but I just thought, oh, no, I can do it. <laughs> but but you, you are a creative, you're a creative artist, is that? Uh, so I've always, I think I started drawing when I was 11 and it's always been something I've had um, as part of my life. So something, that's a kind of thing other people give you, don't they, a label. But um, yeah, I, I love making making artwork, absolutely. And uh, this project where you went round the country to underline water quality or lack of water quality and that sort of thing, was that funded or sponsored by anybody? Yeah, so it was more to do with the single-use plastics and how they're not being able to break down and when they do it goes into a sludge that the wildlife's eating and essentially killing them. Um, yeah, so we did get funding. We got some amazing support. It was absolutely unreal. Lots of donations, and yeah, I'm very, very grateful for that. But um, you, you instigated this yourself, or were you with working with uh, anybody else? No, I wanted to do something um, that wasn't. I tried to use my skills, my natural skills of the painting and the creation of it to. Um, do something that had more meaning, I guess, and um, not not just having a sphere. It can be very um, self-absorbed sometimes, I guess, just making art for, for the sake of it, you know, art and do something to help, uh, to help you know, others, educate others and right. help but, make change. <laughs> yes, but this, uh, this project uh, and doing the sort of paperwork... Um, was a contributor to the, to, to your breakdown? Were, Definitely, a hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Mm. Were there other things that? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I depressed people tend to isolate, and I was living nomadically on the tour, visiting cities, and I felt like I alienated myself from others. I felt quite isolated. Um, and then there was the disconnection from the natural world that I wrote about, and. I uh, was spending time in cities with the bright lights and the noise and just um, isn't a natural, healthy place for me. It just, it's, it's like um, animals 
that are in captivity develop mental health issues and we're no different, although we've kind of created our own um, concrete cages, I guess. Right. (laughs) Uh, Well, can can we come back and talk a bit more about that isolation during that project? We'll just Mm -hmm. take a music break. So hang on there. And Declan, uh, what have you got for us today? Well, I just want to ask um, Joshua Caddison. You all like that? Uh, never heard of Joshua oh, Caddison. come on. It's uh, an interesting song. It's called um, Jesse. And you know how you get different words out of songs? This one says, you the cat and me, but it sounds like youth academy. But anyway, here it is. Uh, yours taken from us, Mental Health Radio, broadcasting here every Tuesday live from 12.30 to 1.30 on 104.6 Planet FM. Jesse, you can always sell 
Take it from us, and that was Joshua Catterson. Is that right, Joshua Catterson? Yeah, you're on it, Jesse. Um, I, I think if uh, Declan had said Jesse, I might have uh, realised that I knew that very well. Uh, we're talking to a Tess uh, Sharon today about uh, her breakdown in 2018 and uh, what brought that on. I uh, just wondering, uh, Tess, are you ever known to, known as Tessie? Oh, yeah, yeah. We say if I need a, a break from what's happening, a Tessie timeout. <laughs> a Tessie yeah. timeout. <laughs> yeah. So were yeah. you able to take a Tessie timeout when you were on this uh, national campaign uh, to underline what's happening to our, the quality of our water? Oh, had, I, had many, I had to have many, yes. <laughs> but uh, they weren't necessarily effective. You said that uh, you had been isolating yourself in in cities. Uh, I think you said something like um, sort of uh, maybe, well, you didn't use this term, but getting offside with some some people that you may have been mixing with to, to isolate. Getting offside? What did you say? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, um, well, I think you alienated. Did you use the word alienated? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was pretty much um, moving around. We painted the murals. Well, I started in Queenstown because I was living there. And then we went to Dunedin and up to Christchurch, then to Auckland and then finished in Wellington. So kind of living in different... It took three years to do this whole project, but we were living in different spots kind of around... And it wasn't just a news, just by doing something different, I guess, I felt um, very isolated too because, this, you know, you're up on the uh, chair, um, not the chairlift, sorry, the, uh, the scissor lift and, you know, there's, you're by yourself. And this scissor lift was used so that you could paint these murals. Yeah, yeah. It is fun to be up there for a bit, you know, by yourself. And, but I think it's more, yeah, of the whole nomadic um, style of living, which has some wonderful things. We met some great people, and I wasn't depressed the whole time at all. But the underlying reason 
I'd say, which I found after going through all this therapy and um, as I've got better is that I had the um, the realisation that I kind of hated myself without knowing it, which is apparently not that uncommon. Uh, I sort of felt different from other people and whatever I did was never enough. Yeah. So a little bit of uh, lack of self-esteem? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you've been working on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just didn't know. I was just very, very confused. I couldn't see anything straight. My head was just in a complete um, confused, very, very fast, repetitive thoughts. And, um, yeah, and particularly in 2018, it's almost like my depression went from more manic to complete chronic where I just had no more tears left and... I felt nothing. I felt like I was watching life and I wasn't participating in it. I was just there as a bystander. So uh, were you in the care of mental health services when that happened? No. Uh, no, no, no. That is that place. Like, my parents almost were going to put me in there at one point and I managed to talk them out of it. And when I went to visit, it's just that is the worst place ever, in my opinion, put people unless they are actually going to kill themselves or hurt somebody else. You're talking um, about going into an acute psychiatric... Uh, um, yeah, I think uh, what they used to call, what's it called now? Hill, Hill Morton, I think, in Christchurch. Right. Is that the one? Yeah. But you, yeah. you're not talking about it being Sunnyside at that stage. I think it was called Sunnyside, wasn't it, ages ago? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um... But there are intermediate services uh, like community mental health. Oh, um, yeah, so I definitely went to therapy. Yep, I did two types of therapy. Um, So I did a, I think it's called Gestalt. Right. Gestalt therapy, and then I did cognitive behavioural afterwards. Um, And then I even tried an alternative therapy called Havening as well. And they all helped in combination. It wasn't like... It hasn't solved anything because these are this is learned thought patterns, right? Um, you know that I, if I was first um, having, you know, experiencing these when I was twelve, it's not like an instant. Ah, you know, I'm better all of a sudden. So it's going to take time, and I'm still on that journey. Right. So I mean, did you get a diagnosis? Uh, um, what do you mean? Like go to the doctor and yeah, absolutely. The doctor said. Seriously, to my parents when I was about 12 or 13 that, that I was very depressed. Um, but I wouldn't, like, I've never been told, oh, I've, I've got bipolar or anything like that. I think it's very hard. I think it's often um, wrongly um, diagnosed as well. Well, I, I understand it's very difficult to distinguish between serious depression and... Uh and bipolar disorder, but uh, uh, you've ex- you've sort of described um, moods that go from manic to very deep depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, what have you learnt about isolating in terms of uh, its impact on your mental health? Yeah, so I think there's different personalities for me. I've got an extrovert introvert personality so I need and many people we need um, other people to be healthy for sure and I definitely kept a lot to myself and 
thought I had to, you know, work through it um, just because I didn't want to affect other people negatively and I thought I'd be, be able to handle it. Can you just clarify, though, when you say we need other people to be healthy, uh, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, I think it comes from, you know, we used to live in tribes and, and uh, if you were isolated from from your tribe, you died. So maybe, maybe it's from that, like we need to have, um, yeah, others to, to, to be healthy and connect with and... Right, but mm. so when you're not healthy, do you feel that Tess Sheeran is, is not good enough to mix with other people? It's not, um, no, no, not at all. Uh, I, I, if somebody asked me before I went through all of this therapy if I hated myself, I would have said, what are you talking about? I think I'm pretty sweet. It was only after I really got to the um, realisation that the reason I felt that I wasn't enough or I felt different from other people was, I think, because uh, my natural um, skills, art and sport, weren't valued by one of my parents. Um, And also that I developed feelings for women as a teenager. Um, And I, I just always felt like I was wrong um, and never fitted in and I think that's kind of where the roots of those thoughts patterns um, started um, yeah so what were the sports that you uh, um, were good at uh, so I used to play this is very stereotypical of gay people in some ways um, yes I love soccer did a lot of soccer <laughs> yeah um, as a kid so I used to probably play that play that maybe six days a week and then I did basketball I love basketball and I love snowboarding yep they were my three favorite sports and what benefit did you get from you know participating in sport oh as well as just getting the serotonin boosts and stuff the uh, you get connection there don't you I've actually just rejoined a basketball team. Right. Um, yeah, just recently, and it—it's just that, isn't it? You just, even if you're not winning or anything like that, it's just having having a, other people to share a passion for and just have a laugh, really. There's yeah. a bit of a sense of belonging too, I guess. It's Declan yep. here, by the way, just jumping in. I was yep. just going to quickly throw on there too. You would have seen the movie um, Bend It Like Beckham. Oh, um, the soccer one. Yes, but years ago, mm. yeah, mm. I haven't seen that for a long time. Mm, good movie. Yeah, I, and that's a good one. I'll, well, you know, I mean, it's uh, quite a coincidence, really, uh, Tess, because, you know, the surfing uh, that I did living in Sumner, a wonderful community there, uh, I was always with my mates. Uh, we used to travel up to Kaikoura. I played rugby in Sumner. Um, we used to do a whole lot of biking around the Banks Peninsula. I, yeah. I later took up uh, squash when I moved up. Uh, to Auckland because I, I was not, it was not so easy to surf, but all of that, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, all of that was about getting the getting the depression out of the system, feeling better, achieving yeah, some yeah. things, connecting with people and sport has always been my uh, purpose of, for connection Nice, yep. yeah. yeah It all sounds great 
you've mentioned your gayness, which I didn't I didn't appreciate uh, in what I had read. Um, has that been a factor? Have you have you experienced uh, discrimination? Um, I actually haven't had. I, the only place I did experience that, which is kind of funny, after travelling so much, was in Christchurch when I like. How old was I then? Maybe twenty six, and um, I was just. I was think I was having a wrestle and um, just a fun, um, <laughs> ridiculous wrestle in um, in Hagley Park, and someone just yelled out at me. Yeah, it's been like real, just just mean, you know, just you know. But um, it was more that I had to. I felt like I had to hide that when I, because I went to a school that was in the country, and I definitely um, saw what happened to the guys that had, you know, you can't, you couldn't hide it. You could tell that they were gay, and they at that time it wasn't accepted even then. Yeah. Did you feel I'm though, only 34. Did you feel, though, that they picked up on it intuitively so you didn't actually have to say anything? They just um, automatically, well, you know? I don't... Well, my old ma, I think she she knew. Um, <laughs> but And they weren't surprised at all. Um, but, no, I don't think... I, I didn't really... I always just spent a lot of time doing sport and a lot of time doing art. Um, and I didn't really connect, I couldn't really talk about, but I also dated boys. I had, um, I would identify with being lesbian, but to be honest, I'm probably like 80, 20 or 90, 10. It's not for me. Yeah, I don't like to be put in that box either. Mm, more, uh, more to do with yeah. the attraction to the person and the personality. Usually women, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's an element of listening to you, there's an element of potential confusion about who Tess really was. Oh, 100%. 100%, yeah. Right. If someone's always telling you that you have to be, or the stereotype of what it is to be a woman, you do. You you take on these thoughts like, oh, something's wrong with me, don't you? That is, I, for sure, I think, where the, I one, think of the, one of the causes. I think the big thing there, too, is you start to wonder whether you're living your life for you or are you living it for what you think other people expect you to be doing. 100%. And that obviously is going to have an impact. I, I must say, I, when I um, came out of school years and years and years ago, yeah. I actually had a lot of stuff at school, a lot of bullying and that sort of thing, but I think they just picked up on that. But, yeah, it is a big, it's a tough thing yeah, to yeah. come through it, I think, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, Tess, were you sensitive about what you thought people were saying about you? Oh, yeah, definitely, especially as a teenager. Right. Um, absolutely. It's you, want, you know, you want to fit in as a kid, don't you? You don't mm. want to be bullied or hassled or you just want to, you know. But all those sporting... Pursuits of yours must have helped uh, give you acceptability, and oh yeah, hundred percent. But you don't have that as an adult, like unless you went into a career, which I didn't even want to. Um, and I did get in. I think I got named for the New Zealand soccer squad or something, um, and that was awesome. I felt really, really good about that. But that doesn't carry on into your adult life, really. That's you know, it only uh, yeah, you don't have the same. Um, well, I'm still playing goal. tennis. tennis. Oh, it's, I don't mean like that. I mean it's, um, you know, the goal. Um, how do I explain? With tennis, like, yeah, your body kind of gives out, doesn't it? it, it with, like, I've got so many injuries from snowboarding, for example, that when I'm playing basketball, I'm just like, oh, oh. You know, you don't have, um, you can't do the same things as you could when you're... 
Right, but You're maybe, <laughs> maybe we have to adapt uh, yeah. um, to choose sports that we can still manage. And, yeah, you yeah, know, surfing. And I, I mean, I think that for me, continuing to play at my age is um, helpful for my health. It keeps me in contact uh, with people. Uh, it improves my fitness, all of those things which are good for my mental health. Awesome. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yep. I think I just had, I was just living such a different life. I, I put a, a lot of those things kind of on hold. Or I never, I've always been not very good at getting the balance right. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's come back uh, after our next music break and talk about uh, balance because probably that's a pretty critical part of one's mental health. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I was going to give you through the bathroom window, but I'm going to sneak one up on you now. Uh, still going to give you Joe Cocker. You'll know this one. You're listening to Take It From Us Mental Health Radio, broadcasting on 104.6 Planet FM every single Tuesday from 12.30 to 1.30. Here is Joe Cocker and Delta Lady.
there, don't say I don't look after you. Wonderful, yeah, Delta Lady must have been played by Joe Cocker at uh, his show in... Uh Queen Street, His Majesty's, I think it was, when the power went off. That was, of course, uh, during the power crisis in Auckland and he had to walk off, band had to walk off, but uh, they were back when they got the generators working again and uh, like there was uh, no hiccup at all. So. Wouldn't that rip your nighty? You pay to go to a woman concert and... <laughs> oh, it was only about five or ten minutes they got the power back on. That no, was all right. So anyway, yeah. we're uh, Mental Health Radio, take it from us today. We are talking to Tess Sheeran about... About, uh, her mental health journey and uh, Tess um, balance, we were talking about balance, is that something that uh, has been a challenge to achieve for you? Yes, yeah, yeah I'll just throw myself into, into whatever I'm doing and I've always had that difficulty of being able to, I think I had it quite well um, when I was a kid because you know you have school and then um, you, there's sport happening all the time and, and then there's art and all of that was happening quite well but as soon as I left um, the nest uh, I think I just haven't been able to have have um, the balance right. Um, is it still like that? Yes <laughs> yeah, still like that yes. So what uh, what are you doing to try and achieve some balance? Uh, well, I said that I joined a basketball team, so I've, I've done that. Um, I've started to surf again, I've joined, I started to do yoga. Just, I think, to be in one place, um, is you're able to set that up a bit easier. But if you're living living all over the show, it is harder to keep that, um, yeah, that balance going because everything changes all the time. And friends and uh, relationship and that sort of thing, that's all part of balance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I have had some such amazing friends, but when you leave the country, like, I miss some friends from the UK still now, and I haven't lived there for 10 years. But it's not, you know, the connection that you have on on Facebook or whatever, is, is not, it's not enough. Um, and then, yeah, you know, even in New Zealand, like I had some amazing friends in Queenstown and up in Raglan when I was last. You know, it's um, it's one of those things that they live all over the show too. So, and then I've been in hiding, I guess, or not in hiding, in um, what do you call it? Just going, you know, learning about what was happening with me and recovering from it, I guess, in Christchurch. So I'm. Pretty keen to meet some new people. How, how long has that sort of period of recovery been? Mm, I don't think that it's going to be, you know, with mental health, if you've had problems early on, it's not just like a, if you've had a, like, um, I don't know, just an episode of depression and then it's all of a sudden good again. Uh, I think for me it's um, going to be a, a longer process of, of learning how to change the program of what I'm firing and wiring. Yeah. So how, um, how are you changing that program? Uh, so I've been recognising if I um, have a thought pattern. I think through, through uh, meditation I had, um, I learnt about, you know, that I'm, you're not actually your thoughts, emotions and perceptions. And I was very heavily involved into thinking these things and feeling these things and um, just uh, looking at them as, as um, you know, that they're not actually me. Um, that's really helped uh, a, a huge amount. I do a lot of meditation. Um, so I'm able to kind of, if I have a hurtful thought 
and I recognise it and that would usually send me into more destructive baby behaviour or really like hating um, hating on myself I guess um, put down um, self-critic this kind of stuff I'm able just to see that and and say is that really and then almost laugh at it just remember the comedy in it I guess I think I forgot comedy sounds as though you're inclined to beat up on yourself a bit yeah, yeah, the self-credit was massive. Yeah, oh. I uh, actually read, I had a friend who's also a therapist, but not my therapist, but I guess she was um, pretty pretty great here. She get, she gave me a book by Kristen Neef, who's a psychologist, and it's called Self-Compassion. And I read that, and that's just, it's called The Proven Power of Being Kind to Yourself. And it was probably the first book. I read a lot of books. And, yeah, that was the first book, and I um, really could connect with that, and that's helped me massively. Yeah. Uh, in the blog uh, that you wrote, uh, which took a lot of courage to write, um, you refer to this book uh, by Johan Hari. Yeah, Lost, I think it's a fantastic book. Lost Absolutely. Connections. It's called Lost, uh, Lost Connections. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I recommend anyone out there that's struggling to have a read of that book. Even if uh, you know somebody, it's, it's just good for anyone to read, even if they don't have um, mental health problems. I mean, in that blog, you say I'm a little sceptical about going public, about uh, having this illness. Uh, has it been worthwhile to you to go public on this uh, mental illness? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just connecting with other people and sharing my story just realising that um, there's so many people out there that are having problems and that we're not alone on it, I guess. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't want to be judged and I didn't want depression to define me. So um, what sort of response have you had to your blog? Okay, yeah, so I have written a few. So I had some um, very moving comments and private messages from people, some of them that I didn't even know. Um, and I can read a few of them out if you like. That'll be great. Yeah. So um, I hope you're on the men test. We need good souls like you on the planet to keep fighting for nature. So glad to hear you're in a better place now and so sorry to hear you had such a hard path to follow to get back to being well. <laughs> Much love from Cornwall. Um, just tried to call. Hope you're on the road to recovery. Love you. Um and then your wonderful, um, incredible words from a strong, incredible, lovely lady. Uh, big love to you, gorgeous. P.S. We get it and rock and roll with you. Kia kaha, Tess. Thank you for writing this. Um, big hug for you, Tess. You're a gorgeous human. You're, you know, like really lovely, lovely um, comments. And then oh, I did have this comment, um, which I think about often, um, which go, all things must break down before we break through as such I reckon all previous breakdowns were in fact breakthroughs, my two cents love you Do you feel that you've had a breakthrough as a result of a breakdown? Absolutely yeah absolutely, I don't think I'll be that same person, I think I'll be a better person absolutely um, it wasn't my fault, I have the understanding that I um, have got depression but now that I've had the time and the space to understand why I think that I will be, yeah, better and hopefully never um, return to to what was, yeah, my um, destructive, um, self-critical, 
self-loathing. <laughs> I sometimes wonder whether we have to go through the sadness to be able to appreciate the happiness. Yeah, I think it's easy to forget um, how amazingly, uh, you know, how how the good things in life sometimes when you you are you know you're suffering and you're trapped in these thought patterns that are so fast and consuming. There's this idea that it's um, yeah that it's people I think get that idea that people are selfish sometimes when they're depressed, but it's more that the thoughts are that consuming that they can't see anything anything other, you know. Yep. There's that fear of reaching out too that um, you're going to end up losing friends or being criticised and that sort of thing. That's, that's a huge thing and I wonder how much that impacts on a lot of people is, my God, you know, am I going to lose my friends? Are they going to tell me I'm, you know, losing the plot? Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, but I would highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Just do it. <laughs> Sorry, highly recommend. Yeah, just speaking about it to any friends. They're not worth, you're not worth having those friends if they don't care. So, you know, just do it, go for it. There's no point in suffering. Like, I really, if you're that bad, like, you have to. There's no choice. I certainly felt like that. There was no choice. I had to get better or I wasn't going to be there for much longer. So there's uh, no gain without pain. Yeah. Uh, you use the word suffering, suffering, depression. Do you still talk about suffering, depression? No, I, I, I mean... I obviously did, and I have, um, and I can definitely recognise, oh, okay, my thoughts are getting super fast at the moment. I definitely can recognise when I'm going or feeling low or... Um, but I, I, instead of being so involved with those, I just say to myself, okay, so this is happening and I'm go- I need to do this to get out of it. So I'll either go and help someone connect with somebody or go and do some sport or meditate or, um, yeah, I use I use a lot of self-compassion talk now. I even have an alarm that goes off my phone sometime that says, love you, you're enough, just be, <laughs> you know, just little tools like this. Yeah. yeah, do you do any breathing? Yeah, I do. Uh, I have got into meditation a lot, um, absolutely. And uh, how do you do that meditation? I started doing 20 minutes because I was very restless. I would call myself an active relaxer. Um, so I didn't think I'd be able to do meditation. And um, so I, I started doing just 20-minute guided meditations. And there's one called an eco meditation, which is about the, all the ecology around us. And, um, yeah, I went through and I started doing that. And uh, and then I um, read another book and I... I, I started to be able to do longer meditations and without just remembering what I was going through with the guided ones and then just doing it in silence and I can now do hour meditations and it helps me a lot it really does so that was an eco eco meditation yeah if you just look at that on youtube yep eco um yep yeah, yeah. the other guy that really helped me as well was um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he's a neuroscientist. He's got some YouTube clips. He's fascinating. Sorry, that's Dr. Dr. Joe Dispenza. Dispenza? Yeah. D I S P E S E N S I E R. Dispenza. Let me have a look. I have this written somewhere. Yeah, well, I'm sure that. Yeah. Do you have any apps, any meditation apps that you can access? I don't do um, apps per se now. I do silent meditation. Right. But I know a lot of people do do those, 
and if I have had, because I'm not too, I would like to be more regular, but I'm only doing like one or two a week, um, which is better than nothing for sure, but I would like to get in a habit of doing it more regular than that. So um, I think the guided way is a way to bring bring myself back into doing, and then I can get back to the hour. Yeah. And so with that, I know a lot of people do use that. Yeah, with that eco uh, meditation, do you go into nature yourself? And you can do, um, but this is actually just you know you sit sit down and just basically become present in the moment. You know, you can hear everything around you, heart beating, and um, the sounds. If you wanted to do it outside, you can. Right. Um, do you, if you're snowboarding, if you're still snowboarding, uh, do you do any meditation when you're up the mountain? Um, yeah, that that would be good, but you're often not really that alone. We have smaller fields here, so there's people everywhere. I'm not very good at doing it if there's lots of noise. I know you're supposed to be able to do it wherever, but it's much easier if it's quieter. Right. But yeah, yeah that would be a cool spot to do it for sure. Yeah. So we're getting close to the end of the show. Is there anything that you particularly wanted to say about reaching out uh, to help others? Yeah, if anyone, yeah, just don't be scared to talk about it, really. And if you're going to help, like what I thought about when I felt quite nervous speaking, even just speaking on this show, was that if it helps somebody else, I mean, that's all that really matters, isn't it? Because it's a horrible place to be and it's, it's, um, we can change the program, definitely. It's not like if you were brought up like me that it was a chemical imbalance and that you're going to have it forever. I think we can 100% um, change. Do you believe that, uh, you know, what the pharmaceutical companies say to sell their pills, that we have a chemical imbalance? Um, I think there is a biological, and Johan talks about that, there's definitely a biological component, but I think it's more the susceptibility to getting it. Um, so, you know, susceptibility, it's not um, just that you definitely have it, you know, and this is it. Right. Yeah. So, so we may... to just have to work on it and change what we fire and why. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, Tess, uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for writing to Planet FM and offering your service. And uh, uh, it was a while ago, I think now, but we finally sort of connected and uh, able to do the broadcast. Cool. Thanks for having me on the show, Sheldon. Yeah, thank nice you. Too. Catch you later. Okay. Thanks. So, uh, take it from us. I think we've got uh, one uh, half a second or something. Half we, we have. I just actually had gone to cue the next song if we had it, which was UB40, Where Did I Go Wrong? So, we'll save that for next week. But do you know what the UB40 stands for? No. Unemployment benefit, apparently. <laughs> they, apparently, that's where they got their name from. I thought, right, Ah, uh, well, they'd be uh, multi-millionaires now, I would think. Mm. Actually, did just while we quickly touch on it, did you see the um, documentary that was on about Queen, Nada Lambert coming on board and Queen reviving themselves? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, champion. It was yeah. on, I think, Prime TV. We have a few more moments, so I'll leave it to you. Well, I was just trying to think of something mental health uh, that cropped up on uh, stuff. Uh, there's a story saying that uh, somebody at Auckland University is uh, being thrown out because of their mental health challenges. Uh, I think that's going to be a story that uh, we need to keep an eye on. 
uh, the Mental Health Foundation is absolutely appalled that Auckland University is taking a stance against a student with a men- mental health vulnerability. So that's been uh, taken from us uh, again. Uh, I hope that uh, you've listened in and that you'll be back next Tuesday at 12.30. Catch you then. Have a good week. Oh, you said you run in.